and welcome to Bun Bun's Storytime, a podcast where I tell stories to listeners. In today's episode, I'll continue on our Greek mythology series where I left off. You're going to have to love Aphrodite for this one. So join me as I hop in. You gotta love Aphrodite. No, really, that's an order. See, Aphrodite had a magical belt that could make anyone fall in love with her right on sight. If you saw her and she wanted you to love her, bam, no choice. Personally, even if she tried to use the belt on me, I don't think it'd work. I'm not really fond of the goddess. I know. Some of you might be thinking, Oh, but she's so pretty. How could you ever hate the goddess of love? Well, clearly you may not know much about the lady. So, here's some trivia for you. Today's Jeopardy categories are Women who literally crawled out of the sea Women who left home the day that they solidified from foam. Women who really, really hate being clothed. And women who were born in the wake of the first murder. I'll take women who literally crawled out of the sea for 200, Alex. Anyways, as I said, she was formed from the wake of the first murder. You know, when Kronos dumped his dear old dad Oranos into the bottom of the sea. Yeah. Well, all that ichor turned to foam, which solidified and turned into the blossoming beauty Aphrodite. After drifting through the Mediterranean for a while, looking for a good place to come on shore and settle, she finally decided on the island of Cyprus. Aphrodite rose from the sea and walked across the beach. For those who were around during the huge mermaid frenzy of the early 90s, you might remember a movie called Splash, where a mermaid played by Daryl Hannah falls in love with Tom Hanks. Well, it was kind of like that, only a little bit more Disney princess-like. Flowers blossomed at her feet, birds gathered to sing sweet songs. Describing Aphrodite is super hard, because she could change her appearance to suit whomever she wanted to fall in love with her. So, for instance, if you love girls with blue eyes and blonde hair, well... She could become that. Or if you liked tan skin and dark hair, she could become that too. The day she washed ashore on the island of Cyprus just happened to be the same day the goddesses of the seasons, the Horai, were also meeting on the island. They took one look at her and immediately suggested she go to Mount Olympus to be with the other gods. There are other gods? said Aphrodite, amazed. I'm the goddess of love and beauty. What could you possibly need other gods for? Oh, lots of things, said the goddess Autumnus. Let's get you dressed, and we can take you to meet them. But why would I ever want to get dressed? Aphrodite pouted. Because if you appear like that, then the gods will go insane with desire. I mean literally insane. So they dressed Aphrodite in a gorgeous white gossamer dress, a golden delicate crown, and golden earrings, 
to their dismay, Aphrodite looked even more beautiful with clothing on. By now, you probably know enough about the Olympian gods to know that they were tripping over themselves when the Aphrodite arrived. Each one proposing marriage more quickly than the next. It would be my honor, said Apollo, god of poetry and archery. Forget him! It would be my honor, said Ares, god of war. My honor, yelled Poseidon. You're already married, Zeus snapped. It would be my honor. And you're already married, said Hera. To me. The gods argued and shoved each other, offering Aphrodite various gifts for her hand in marriage. The entire Olympian council was on the verge of a civil war. Meanwhile, Aphrodite just stood there, batting her eyes like, All this for little old me? But inside, she was loving it. Finally, Hera stepped back, took a deep breath, and glanced at the far corner of the throne room, where one god was not participating in the argument. He sat in the shadows, alone, knowing he had no chance of competing for the goddess of love's affections. Hera smiled, formulating an idea. I can tell you from everything I know about Hera that when she forms an idea, you should probably run away ASAP. She raised her arms and yelled, Silence! The gods were so startled that they stopped fighting. I have the perfect solution, Hera said. Since I'm the goddess of marriage, I think I should have the say-so on who gets to marry Aphrodite. And if anyone objects, she glanced at Zeus sternly, I'm sure my husband Zeus will support my decision with force, if necessary. Well then, Ares asked, and I may say, mother, you are looking so dazzling today. Who will marry Aphrodite? My son, Hera began. Ares started to beam with joy. Hephaestus, the blacksmith god. She pointed to the opposite side of the room. Hephaestus was stunned. Ares exploded. What? How can that, that hideous... That hideous thing. Be married to this beautiful creature. They'll be perfect together, Hera assured. A beautiful woman needs a hard-working, plain-spoken, no-nonsense husband to keep her grounded. Well, it's decided then, Zeus said. Mephaestus, come here. The blacksmith god staggered over. Hephaestus. Do you take this woman, etc., etc.? My lady Aphrodite, I know I'm not very handsome. I'm not much of a dancer. Hephaestus's metal braces creaked. I'm not witty, nor charming. But I promise to be a loving husband. I'm handy at fixing things, and... Ugh, Aphrodite said, swallowing her nausea. Well, that's good enough for me, Zeus said. I now pronounce you husband and wife. So, they were married. Did they live happily ever after? <laughs> no. Aphrodite stayed far away from her husband as much as possible. They never had any kids. Oh, Aphrodite had plenty of kids, just not with her husband. Immediately after she got married... 
she started an affair with Ares, which became the worst kept secret on Mount Olympus. Bun Bun's Storytime is brought to you in part by Radio Public. Radio Public is free, easy to use, and helps listeners like you find and support shows like mine. When you listen to my show on Radio Public, everyone benefits. Many gods and goddesses would ask for Aphrodite's help because even though she was incredibly vain, she was very helpful in her own sort of way. Even Zeus asked for her help, but it wasn't for anything beautiful or loving. You remember back in the early days of the mortals, the Titan Prometheus gave men fire? Well, even after Zeus had punished Prometheus by chaining him to the rocks and giving him a liver-eating eagle for company, the Lord of the Sky was still very angry. He decided he would just punish everyone. All mortals will suffer for accepting the gift of fire, and I'll find some sneaky way to do it too. I'll fix it so that they can blame Prometheus's family. That'll make my revenge even sweeter. Turns out, Prometheus had a younger brother, Epimetheus, who wasn't exactly the sharpest crayon in the box. Right before Zeus carted Prometheus off to Tortureville, he had warned his brother, Epimetheus, stay frosty. Zeus will probably punish you just because you're related to me. Don't accept any gifts. Frosties? Epimetheus said. I like Frosties. Oh, you're hopeless, his brother grumbled. Just be careful. Zeus decided to send Epimetheus a booby-trapped present. If he could trick him into opening the present, a bunch of evil spirits would escape and cause all kinds of trouble for mortals. The mortals would seek the answers from the oracle, like they always did. The oracle would say, Oh, it's Epimetheus's fault. And Zeus would have just the best laugh. The problem was... Zeus couldn't get Epimetheus to accept any gifts. He tried a candy gram. He tried a brand new HDTV. He even tried premium streaming services with all the sports packages. Epimetheus turned them all away, heeding his brother's warning. Zeus became exasperated. This guy! All I want him to do is open this stupid present and unleash destruction and misery on all mortals. Is that too much to ask? Anyone got any other ideas? Aphrodite spoke up. Perhaps you're going about this the wrong way. How about something no man can refuse? I already tried gifting him Netflix. You forgot the and chill part. Aphrodite said. I'm talking about love. Get the poor guy a wife. If you could place a wife in his household, she would accept the gift you'd like to send, if it's all handled correctly. At Aphrodite's direction, the gods created the perfect woman from scratch. Hephaestus provided the clay and the technical know-how to build her body. Athena gifted her with cleverness and curiosity. 
Most importantly, though, Aphrodite instilled her with a beauty to make her irresistible. They named her Pandora, which loosely translates to all the gifts, or the whole package. Pandora would be the god's ultimate package for making mischief. The gods led Pandora to Epimetheus's front porch, rang the doorbell, and fled away giggling. When Epimetheus opened the door, he saw this beautiful woman smiling at him. Hi, I'm Pandora, and I love you, said Pandora. Can I come in? Uh, absolutely, said Epimetheus. He completely forgot Prometheus's warning. No possible way this gorgeous lady could be a trick. Epimetheus and Pandora got married faster than you can say Vegas wedding. The gods weren't invited to the wedding, but Aphrodite dropped off a gift, and because it was addressed to Pandora, Epimetheus couldn't refuse it. It was a large ceramic container with a large white silk bow tied around the top. Oh, honey, look, Pandora said. It's perfect for storing all our mementos. Epimetheus grunted. Ugh, I wouldn't open it. Your husband is right, Aphrodite said. No, Pandora. The box is just to look at. Never open it. You wouldn't want to know what's inside. After Aphrodite left, Pandora burned with curiosity. It wasn't her fault. She was literally created to be curious. All she could think of was opening that box. I have to see what's inside, she muttered. Oh, this is going to be awesome. She pulled the tie from the bow and opened the lid. It wasn't awesome. Zeus had packed that box with a zillion evil spirits. They spewed out and spread across the world, bringing sickness, misery, plague, and famine to the human race. Humans probably would have gone completely insane from despair, but one good spirit remained in the container. Maybe because Zeus had one shred of humility left. Elpis, the spirit of hope stayed with the humans so that they wouldn't give up completely. They could always believe that things just might get better. Aphrodite had dozens of sacred plants and animals. Some of them made sense, like the rose, which is why it's still used as a romantic gift. Bunnies were her sacred animal because they had lots of babies. But one plant that still baffles me is lettuce, and that has all to do with Adonis. Here's the last story about Aphrodite. And man, it's a doozy. There was this Greek princess named Smyrna, who refused to worship Aphrodite. And the goddess got so mad she cursed the poor girl by... Well, let's just say she got pregnant and it wasn't the best way to have a baby. It was such a horrible incident that when her father found out, he chased her through the woods trying to kill her. Smyrna cried out to the gods, Please, have mercy on me. It's not my fault. Please turn me invisible. Well, the gods didn't do that. 
Instead, they turned her into a mer tree. Nine months later, the tree split open and a little baby boy tumbled out. When Aphrodite heard the kid wailing in the woods, she felt a little guilty. She went down and picked him up. He was just so cute that she decided to raise him in secret. Why in secret? Well, Aphrodite was the jealous type. The kid was adorable. The goddess didn't want to share her affections with anyone else. But since babies are a lot of work, and Aphrodite had such a busy schedule, she decided to trust Persephone as a babysitter. That may seem like an odd choice given that she lived in the underworld, but it was because she lived in the underworld that it seemed perfect to Aphrodite. No one on Olympus would ever have to know about the baby. Persephone was happy to have the baby to keep her company. She named him Adonis and shuffled him back and forth for years between Aphrodite's secret lair on Cyprus and the underworld. Eventually, Adonis grew into a handsome man. No, that's an understatement. He grew into the most handsome man who ever lived. At some point, and maybe simultaneously, both Persephone and Aphrodite realized Adonis wasn't a kid anymore and began to see him as a potential boyfriend. That's when the fighting started. Pick who you like better, Aphrodite said to him. I, I can't decide, Adonis said. You're both amazing. So the two goddesses took Adonis up to Mount Olympus and asked Zeus to solve the problem. The solution is simple, said Zeus. Adonis will be like a timeshare. He'll get one-third of the year with Persephone, one-third with Aphrodite, and one-third to himself, because a guy has to have time to relax away from the ladies. Am I right, bro? I... I guess, bro, said Adonis. The plan worked for a little while, but Persephone's share of each year happened to fall during the winter, so she got the worst end of the bargain. And Adonis didn't like the underworld. He had to spend most of his time hiding from Hades, since the Lord of the Underworld didn't know about Persephone's secret boyfriend. Eventually, Aphrodite won Adonis over with her sweet talk and charm. She convinced him to spend his free portion of the year with her as well, so that she got two-thirds out of the year and could look at Persephone smugly and feel like the superior goddess. For a while, they made a happy couple. Until it ended badly, of course. One day, Adonis was out hunting in the woods, when one of his dogs caught the scent of an animal and went racing ahead. Adonis followed, and by the time he caught up, he was so tired and winded. Unfortunately, his dogs cornered a wild boar, which was put there by Ares, that being his sacred animal. The boar rushed at Adonis and stuck its tusks right in his gut. As you can imagine, it's almost impossible to meet head-on with a boar and come out scratch-free, much less alive. Unfortunately, Adonis came out of that situation as the latter, dying upon impact. A little while later, Aphrodite came flying by in her dove-powered chariot. She saw Adonis's lifeless body and rushed to his side. No, she wailed. Oh, my poor, poor beautiful man. Even in death, you are amazing to me. 
she laid his body in a big patch of lettuce. And that's why lettuce is her sacred plant. To this day, lettuce is still known in Greece as dead man's food. Aphrodite was sad about Adonis' death for almost a whole day. Then she went back to her godly boyfriend, Ares, the very one who was responsible. Was Aphrodite mad at him? Nope. That's just how Ares was. If you want to meet the dude, he's in the next episode. But bring your flak jacket and your best weapons. Ares takes no prisoners. Hey, listeners. I have a big ask of you. Between the editing, reading chapters, revising those chapters into my own words, and distributing the podcast between seven platforms, this podcast takes a lot of time, effort, and resources to share three to four days a week. I'm beyond humbled and grateful for the listeners and sponsorships I've gained in just a short amount of time, and the many messages telling me that this podcast is used as a bedtime story, or that it just brightens your week up, has been such a compliment. I'd like to keep doing this for as long as I can, while bringing future specialized episodes making my own stories from suggested themes from listeners like you. One way to accomplish this is by direct listener support. Your support will help the show to grow and reach many more fellow story lovers. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash B-U-N dash B-U-N. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash bun dash bun. You can contribute as little as 99 cents a month if you'd like. As always, thank you for listening to Bun Bun Storytime. <laughs>